Welcome back, Welcome to, back the- to the podcast. This is the round guy, Steve Filchin, with my co-host, Dave Johnson. We like to call him Mr. Southeast Iowa. On the line with us tonight, we are tickled to have two musicians who are going to be in the great state of Iowa coming up here in about the middle of March. Uh, we are talking to uh, Sean and Jack. And these two musicians do a tribute show to Iowa's own Everly Brothers. Fellas, good to talk with you. So happy to be here. Do we call you Steve or do we call you Round? Either one. I'll answer to most anything. Okay. Uh, I I am originally from New York, but I've been in Iowa now longer than uh, I can imagine. And, and uh, that said, I don't know uh, much, if anything, about the Everly Brothers, only that they born and raised here and, and called Iowa home, but made quite a name for themselves uh, back in the day. And, and uh, fellas, I, I'm eager for you two to tell us uh, other folks in, in the listening audience, like myself, that aren't that familiar with the Everly Brothers. Yeah, um, so this is Jack speaking, and, and we um, we were honored a few years ago when we were on tour driving through Iowa. We, we, we were Shenandoah, where the Everly Brothers grew up, was just on our route. And we were able to stop, stop through the town and see the childhood home where they grew up. And it was so tiny, we couldn't believe it. It was like just a little bit bigger than uh, than, my, than my sedan. It was like, and the four of them lived in there. The two brothers and their parents lived in this one room. And it's now a, a, a really cool museum across the street from the Depot restaurant. And the owner of that restaurant owns the childhood home, which is pretty cool. And um, our show is a lot of fun. We, we celebrate the Everlies and we tell some history and some good stories. And we joke about... Uh, my age difference with Sean quite a bit too. And, and, um, we, we love honoring the music. You know, and, and the Everly brothers, uh, unlike the righteous brothers and, and other acts like that, the righteous brothers were not brothers, but, uh, and there are other groups that, that formed, uh, uh, using, you know, the tag that they were brothers when they actually weren't. So the Everly brothers were in fact blood brothers, correct? Yes, they were. Uh, they, uh, they started performing together with their parents as a family band driving around Iowa and other places where they lived. They lived in Chicago area. They lived in Kentucky for a while and they would drive around to radio stations and who would put them on the air as a family band. So Phil and Don Everly were performing together since they were uh, in grade school. Wow. Now, in, in uh, how much research have you done? It makes sense that that you two have have really dug into their background and and their upbringing and their musical side and and familiar with all of their hits and uh, awards. Yeah accolades uh talk a little bit about that so sean and i started this show the everly set about six years ago for fun we we 
we were friends and we'd run into each other at shows in New York pretty frequently. And if there was a guitar laying around, we would play Bye Bye Love or All I Have to Do is Dream or one of the Everly hits because we just knew them. Um, but we decided to put a, a like a 45 minute show together for friends and family just for fun. And we, we got a band together and we loved it so much and we loved our blend, our vocal blend so much that we just did it a few more times and a few more times. And then we, before we knew it, we were, we were lucky enough to take our show all over the country and in other countries as well. And the research, uh, so a lot of it came with it, but I grew up with this music. Um, I'm, I'm 26 and I discovered it when I was in, in uh, elementary school, when I was first figuring out what, where the Beatles were getting all their, stealing all their ideas from it. It was, it was groups like the Everly Brothers. And when I realized that, I, it started a long obsession. And, uh, and Sean is a master of harmony. Yeah, you know, I, I grew up a, a generation after the Everly Brothers. I grew up in the, mostly in the late 60s and 70s. So I came to the Everly Brothers via my obsession with Simon and Garfunkel when I was a kid. And the, Simon and Garfunkel did a version of Bye Bye Love. And I remember uh, playing that for my, my mom. And she said, oh, that's originally an Everly Brothers song. And that brought me to the Everly Brothers. And uh, I fell in love with those songs. You know, the songs are they're written by some of the great writers of that era. A lot of their hits, Wake Up Little Susie, Bye Bye Love, All I Have to Do is Dream, Bird Dog, were all written by the husband and wife a songwriting team out of Nashville, Felice and Boodle Bryant, who were the, they were the most successful husband and wife songwriting team of the day. And, uh, you know, the Everly Brothers always did the best songs of, that were available to them. Sometimes they wrote them themselves, like Kathy's Clown or Till I Kissed You, but they, they covered a lot of other great people's material. They covered Buddy Holly. They covered Merle Haggard. They uh, did songs by Carol King. So the repertoire is just top-notch lyrically and musically. And Jack and I just love singing the stuff. What was the, you know, we talk about our age and when we became familiar with the Everly Brothers. Uh, and, and, and they were early on. I mean, I, I don't really remember listening to them uh, because I think... You know, even though I'm older, I still didn't, I wasn't familiar with their music. And you say then you had to be turned on to it by other folks and, and then became acquainted with them. What was their era? What what was their time frame when they were solid and they were well-known and well-received? They, they're um, probably the, the peak of their fame. Uh, was in was in the year 1957 when Bye Bye Love and Wake Up Little Susie came out and completely flipped rock and roll on its head because nobody was singing like that in rock and roll at the time. You, know, you had Elvis, you had Chuck Berry, um, but nobody was singing in this harmony, especially a brotherly harmony where they seriously sounded like one person, the two of them together. So, um, and... Yeah, I mean, it, it really uh, inspired lots of great songwriters. Yeah, you know, it's funny, 1957, 
that's also the year that uh, that uh, Paul Simon and Art Garfunkel first got together. They were teenagers, and that's within uh, two years of when the Beatles started to perform. So that period, 57 to 59, is really critical in rock and roll, and a lot of it has to do with the Everly Brothers because their vocal sound was so electrifying. Uh, and they stayed at the top of the charts pretty much until the British invasion, and when the Beatles and the, and the Rolling Stones and some of those more mod acts hit uh, America. Uh, they stayed, but you know, their songs, particularly Bob I Love, Wake Up Little Susie, All I Have to Do is Dream, Let It Be Me, Kathy's Clown. I think their songs are more well-known to many generations than the name The Everly Brothers. Uh, but people who who were teenagers or early 20s in the late 50s, they... Back again uh, with the podcast, Round Guy, Dave uh, Johnson here, along with our guests, uh, Jack and Sean, who uh, together comprise the duo that does a tribute show of the Everly Brothers. We were talking about the time period of when they were uh, very popular and when they kind of faded away based on the uh, British invasion and the emphasis then on on more, uh, how, how would I say it, uh, more electrical uh, bands, right, fellas? Would that be true? The British invasion brought along the the guitars and the, the, you know, the metal sound as well as the, the, the lyrics and, and what have you. It was the, uh, the introduction of psychedelic sounds and, and groovy, you know, everything was, was, uh, overdriven and, and, um, yeah, I mean, it, and, and folk too, we missed the, there was like a folk period in between the rockabilly and the British invasion. Yeah. Bob Dylan and beginnings of, uh, Simon and Garfunkel, and also, I, you know, the Everly Brothers recorded most of their stuff live in the studio, and by come the early mid-60s, that's when multi-track recording really took off, so then you have all these uh, overdubbed background vocals and instruments, and, uh, you know, Brian Wilson is working <laughs> with these great musicians in California with creating all these weird sounds that were all overdubbed. So the Everly Brothers, which was very sort of stripped down Americana sound, they, they, uh, they struggled in the sixties to stay relevant. Right. But sure. The whole process they used to make records was changing. Um, and the Beatles came in and, and the Everly Brothers did fade and, um, which is ironic because I'm skipping ahead here, but later in, in, uh, in 1983 or 84, 83, Paul McCartney helped to revive the Everly brothers by writing a, a hit for them on, on the wings of the nightingale. Really? Now, see, I didn't know that. I did not know that. That's, uh, yeah. that's amazing. In fact, you know, there's so many groups that credit the Everly brothers with, uh, being their primary influence. Uh, Lennon and McCartney, they were literally trying to sound like Phil and Don. Certainly, 
Paul Simon and Art Garfunkel were trying to sound just like them. And so were the Bee Gees, even, and the, and the Eagles. They all credit the Everleys as being their primary vocal influence. Now, where was Ricky Nelson in and around this time? Did he cash in on, on some of that uh, similarity with regard to the, the folk sound and the, the guitar sound? Um, I, don't, I don't think he did. It's funny, you know, I, I have an, an Ozzy and Harriet record um, hanging up right here in my, in my studio. Um, and he, I mean, I know that he was, he was on his parents' um, show quite a bit. Uh-huh. Um, but I don't think, I don't think, he, from what I know, I don't think he was able to, to keep up with a lot of that. Well, because that's, that's about where, you know, I start coming into it, uh, you know, having that kind of music as an influence. Because I, I was a little kid watching the Ozzy and Harriet show, and then sometimes at the end, they'd allow Rick, Ricky to uh, sing a song. And, and yeah. I... The, the songs I'm familiar with, the Everly Brothers, uh, strikes me. Right. My recollection is there's a similarity, you know, in, in some yeah, of the Yeah, yeah. Funny you mentioned Ricky because he, he was um, my personal window to the Everly Brothers. Um, some, when I was 14, I, um, it was my first record deal, and I put out a song, and somebody said, somebody in the industry said I reminded them of Ricky Nelson. So and I didn't know who that was, and I and I looked him up, and um, one thing led to another, and I was just listening to all that music of the era, found the Everleys because it was all in the same in the same world for sure. Right, right. Well, listen, uh, Sean and uh, and Jack, uh, and we got to talk a little bit more, and we can a bit later, but you kids are going to make an appearance in Iowa coming up. But when that happens, what is your show like? Uh, the, what's the song list? Uh, how do you dress? And and uh, how do you interact with the audience? Do you stay in character as the Everly Brothers? Or just what, what? tell us about your show. Well, the two of us and our enormous two-piece band, upright bass and drums, will be wearing matching electric blue western shirts the Everly okay. Brothers they were very uh, very matchy matchy and Jack and I embraced that by wearing matching outfits they didn't really do the, the western shirt thing very often but it's something that, that we like to do because it's well quite honestly it's not too hot but they look great <laughs> and uh, <laughs> you know we joke we joke on stage that that we're not impersonators of the Everly Brothers were approximators. So we're going for the sound, but on stage it's very much our own personalities, and we lead the audience in a celebration of the, of the Everly's music with stories about the brothers and, uh, and about their relationship to other acts of the time, like Buddy Holly, and, uh, and we talk about their, the other acts that they influenced particularly Simon and Garfunkel and the Beatles. And uh, we referenced Carol King and Merle Haggard. Uh, so it's a, it's a joyous show. I'd like to say it's hilariously funny. Hilariously funny. And, uh, but, uh, you know, 
our band is really tight. Jack and I love singing this material. We uh, People frequently tell us how much we sound like them, and that's a really nice compliment because... And also unexpected. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, we, um, we make hay of the fact that there is a three-decade-plus age difference between me and Jack, and the audience seems to like this. Aha! Aha! What, uh, what do you say the, the, the big hits for your uh, latter part of the show, or do you write, start right out with those? I'd say that the whole show is, is peppered with hits. Um, you know, I'd say that, you know, a lot of the songs you'll, you'll know and love, we do, you know, we do save them till the end, but there's quite a bit in the beginning. And, and um, you know, we, we were pretty much focused on, um, you know, great hits of the era and, and, uh, and being ourselves and, and having fun with it the whole time. I think people will be surprised. Uh, well, certainly fans of the Everly Brothers will know every song, literally every song we do. Uh, but even people who aren't that familiar with the name, the Everly Brothers, they'll know about a third of the show just because these hits are some of the greatest rock hits ever and continue to get a lot of radio play. Uh, and the happiest thing for me is when occasionally people will bring their, their grandkids to the show and young kids you know, in, their, in grade school or in high school will come up and they'll ask for our autograph and want to buy our CD because they, they love the sound so much. They love the vocal harmony. And the lyrics are all really clever and have a, have a youthful innocence to them. Remember, a lot of the hits were written when the, Ever, uh, when the Everly Brothers were still in their teens. Right. So they, young people particularly connect with the themes of teenage angst and lost love. Or they'll say... I heard that song, uh, the the dream song. I, I heard that in a mattress commercial. Yeah, or I saw a TikTok about that song. <laughs> yeah. Well, it, 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 speaking of that, would it make sense that you both have been offered uh, some commercial uh, endeavors to do the backup music to a commercial here and there? Um, yeah, everybody said it's never heard on a commercial, but. Now that you put that out there into the ether, we hope that the phone will start ringing immediately. Perfect. I get 10%. Let me ask you this. When your show is finished, and it makes sense, people come up and they want to interact with you, they want an autograph, they want to buy a CD, and how often does it happen, especially perhaps here in the state of Iowa, where people would come up and say, yeah, I knew them, or yeah, I met them once, or I saw them do a show and entertain you with a unique story to uh, what your careers have, have worked into. Oh, yeah. I, we, this is actually um, has a place in our show. We talk about stories we hear on the road because it's incredible. At intermissions and after the show, people come up to us and tell us about when they saw them in concert, but when they when they actually met the Everly Brothers, we've heard about uh, people seeing them at the bar and sitting between them and, and getting to know them. But one of one of my favorite stories I've heard, uh, a gentleman came up to us and and says, "You know, guys, um, my father grew up on the same block the Everly Brothers in Shenandoah, Iowa, at when they were kids." 
Really? And Sean and I look at each other, shocked, fascinated. We, this is when we'd already been to Shenandoah, and we know what it's like. We, we need to hear everything. And we asked him to tell us some stories, and he goes, well, I can tell you one thing. It was one day my father was walking down the street. Bill Everly stuck a rock at his head. <laughs> so then they Did he hit him? Uh, well, I don't know. Okay. That's, yeah. Or he hit him in the head. Wow. There you right, go. Right above the eye. Now, nothing's more rock and roll than throwing a rock. Yeah. Connecting with your target. Or, then, or being a juvenile lady. delinquent. <laughs> you know, that's what rock and roll is. It's, uh, it's rebellious. Sure. Uh, and then another lady, she told us that she was uh, uh, a flight attendant for Eastern Airlines, 1969. She was rushing through the airport to her gate. The Everleys were rushing in the opposite direction toward their gate. And she ran right over them and knocked them down. <laughs> so, so the first gentleman's father was avenged, is what we're trying to say. <laughs> Well, yeah, I was going to say, was she the daughter of the guy they hit in the head with the rock? <laughs> there we go. Uh, now, the Everly Brothers are, rightfully so, uh, enshrined in the Iowa Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, which is up in uh, up in the Spirit Lake Arnold's Park area. Have, have you had a chance to, to go through there and see the the uh, displays for the Everly Brothers? We have not, but but um, something we did do, and this was by pure coincidence, we were driving through Clear Lake, Iowa, and I'm sure you know where I'm going with this, and look up and our, our whole band sees a street sign that says Buddy Holly Place. And we actually, it is completely, um, We'd forgotten that the town uh, where the horrible plane crash happened was Clear Lake, Iowa. But the plane crash that took Buddy Holly and Richie Valens and the Big Bopper from us in 1959 was in this exact spot where we were, where we were parked, and we pulled over and walked around the field where it had happened. And there were beautiful tributes to Buddy Holly. We're all huge fans of, of Buddy, and we went to the the nearby surf ballroom those guys had played their final show the night before the crash and it's in pristine condition it's like it hasn't been touched in in 60 years and um that was a really energizing experience and inspiring one for us so we listened to the everly brothers versions of buddy holly tunes after that and, and decided to put some in the show no have, have you by any chance played the surf ballroom we have not, but we would love to. Uh, I know they do. They do. They do a lot of shows there. And Jack and I, we we were we stood on the stage and got some photos of ourselves. And I would love to play that room. Oh, I can imagine. And I think uh, in, in a tribute show where other artists from that that time period, they would love to have you. They'd love to see a show can like you, that. Can you make that happen? Well, I. I could throw my weight around a little bit. I don't know uh, what results it might get, but I'd sure try. I think, uh, uh, you know, I think at first they would have to be familiar with it and, and uh, your act. And uh, uh, there's another guy. In fact, we did a podcast with him. His his tribute show is of Buddy Holly, you know, so to get an evening together of 
you and him and others, I think that would be a, a, a good a good venue. I think that would be a big sell. I, I, I was really blown away when we uh, we were there. It's so beautiful, and it feels like you're in a time capsule. Yeah, and shocked to learn that Dion was on that bill that night. He opened the, uh, for those three guys and didn't get on the plane. Yeah. He apparently, apparently Dion didn't get on the plane because it was going to cost him 10 bucks. And that's <laughs> why he, just, he didn't want to spend the 10 bucks. That's funny. And that's now, there's a... Uh, this may be something you two are unaware of, but there was another plane crash in the state of Iowa. It was near Newton, Iowa, where the heavyweight uh, boxing champion Rocky Marciano was killed. Wow. And uh, it, it's, it, it's interesting because even a lot of Iowans don't have that memory or are not familiar with that. Wow. So you got Buddy Holly and, and the other fellas up there in Clear Lake. You got Rocky Marciano in Newton. And so my advice to the two of you is don't fly your gig in Oskaloosa. <laughs> you know, um, well, first of all, we have no choice. We will be flying. That's how rock and roll brave we are. But, you know, uh, people always ask us why we don't perform one of the Everly's beautiful ballads called Ebony Eyes. And we explained to them that it's because it's about a plane crash and we fly so often that we don't want to sing about a plane crash because we feel that the karma will be revisited on us. And, and it, would, you know, yeah, you would, it would jinx you. Exactly. Well, I don't blame you. I don't blame you for that. So let's talk about your show. Uh, it, here in Oskaloosa, uh, a little bit of heaven right here on Earth. Uh, this is where I live, and, and Dave lives a little further south and east of here. But uh, uh, give us the date and time and, and uh, all the information about tickets and, and that type of thing. Well, it's, at the, it's March 23rd it's at the George Daly Auditorium in Oskaloosa. The show is at night. That's all I... That's all I can tell you. It's probably at 7 or 7.30. But um, so if you go to the George Daly Auditorium website, buy tickets. Perfect. And, and like I asked him a moment ago, we can expect a hour, two-hour show. What? Uh, how long does your set last? Uh, we do about... 90 minutes of material with a with an intermission, so the whole Everly Set experience is about under two hours. And it's at 7 p.m. 7 p.m. Oh, and by the way, you can get tickets uh, if you go to uh, www.georgedaily.org. www.georgedaily.org. Um, I don't know if you noticed, Steve, that was my radio voice. Perfect. It was perfect. Thank you very much. I appreciate how it. Long, how long have the two of you been doing this tribute show to the uh, Everly Brothers? Six years. Six years, yeah. We, well, we, we talk about in the show how we met, um, and we can share a bit of it here. Um, we met 12 years ago, yep. 12 years ago in New York City on stage 
at a Simon and Garfunkel tribute, oddly enough, and Sean was the designated Bart Garfunkel of the night. And there was a there was a whole lineup of of guest singers doing Paul Simon's parts, pretty much. Um, and I was one of them. I, and I was fourteen. And we, t- Sean and I, were paired to sing Mrs. Robinson together. And it started a, a, a great long friendship where every so often we we would guest at each, at each other's shows and um, eventually put this Everly show together just for fun. And um, about six years ago, and and we wanted to fill the show with history, but also um, inject our our own personalities into it, and and uh, some great arrangements, and you know, to keep the show moving, and and uh, great romantic ballads, and rocking. Um, you know, we do like the Everly's did a version of Ebopalulo, which is great. We do stuff like that, and. Uh, Go ahead, I'm sorry. Well, I was going to say, you know, when Jack and I started, uh, focused so much on the music, but as we've developed the show, I think we care more about which lines get laughs. <laughs> because at this point, you know, there's a lot of, um, you know, we improvise on stage and things develop, and now we have, uh, you know, it's very much, it's an act. It's an act. Right? There's a, uh, People tell us that um, they, they're surprised about how funny the show is. And a lot of it's just because Jack and I are having such a good time singing the material and playing off each other and playing off the audience. But uh, the show is uh, it's quite joyous for us and hopefully for the audience as well. Well, that makes sense that, that uh, throughout your, your time with the performing – that you would ad-lib a line or two here or there and, and the audience reacts favorably that, yeah, you, you keep it in and, and it works every night. That's, uh, that's, that's, uh, interesting. But I was, uh, you already kind of answered what my next question is. That is, you know, you mentioned Simon and Garfunkel, uh, songs and, and, uh, intent. Is that, something you're going to do in addition to the Everly Brothers? Or, because it makes sense that with the talent you have, that, that the the ability to do the Everly Brothers and the favorable response you get, that you could combine that and, and do some other uh, well-known groups, like like the Simon and Garfunkel. That is. is that a, a future project or... Or what in addition to what you do now? Steve, you should be working for us in the PR department because uh, you just teed it up for us. It's the best segue. Yeah, because um, during pandemic, when Jack and I lost about 60 gigs, uh, we we thought, wow, how can we stay both creative and and think of what our next move is going to be? And we always we always did uh, a Simon and Garfunkel song in the show. We always did Mrs. Robinson in the show. And people were always saying, wow, you guys sound so good doing the Simon and Garfunkel song. Have you ever considered doing a full show of Simon and Garfunkel? Well, finally, we actually had a year and a half uh, without gigs. But we, uh, we put together that entire repertoire. So now we're actually touring two acts, the Everly Set and our new band, 
forever, Simon and Garfunkel. So we've, uh, we've, done, we've done about uh, 20 times around the country already. And next spring, we've already got 40 gigs booked for Forever, Simon and Garfunkel. So now we officially have two working acts. How about that? I I had no idea. I was uh, apparently I'm, you know, I'm a mind reader or something. Huh? <laughs> In fact, if you go to uh, our website, which is uh, the which is theeverlyset.com or foreversimonandgarfunkel.com, they both bring you to the same place, and it's a, a joint site where you can see videos of us doing both repertoires. I so I, a lot of I time. see it, a chance for you to come into uh, Oskaloosa one night. It's the Everly Brothers, and then the next night it's Simon and Garfunkel. In fact, we're doing that. We're doing that in uh, in Okaboji, right? Okaboji. Yeah. Later this year, we're doing one night of the Everlys and one night of Simon and Garfunkel in Okaboji. Okaboji, Iowa. That go, people that see both shows go, "Hey, those are the same guys." <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> well, that, uh, when is that gig? In Okaboji. July. Yes, July. Uh, 12th, 13th. Yeah, I'll tell you right now. It is July 12th and 13th. Yeah. Okaboji, Iowa. Okaboji, Iowa is um is where we met uh, Richie, Richie Valen's sister, who's there, and she organizes um. Uh, a lot of great. I think there's a there's a nearby um, museum and, and shrine to him that she manages, and and uh, really cool to meet her. Well, that's where the uh, Rock and Roll Iowa Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is in Okaboji. Oh, is it? Yeah, Okaboji is like next door to Spirit Lake in Arnold. Oh, that's Park. Great. Oh, that's got to be it then. Yeah. Perfect. Well, yeah, I I would think you'd want to be as kind to her as you possibly can because she could book the Everly Brothers all over the state and and then bring it back, you know, the next night for the Simon and Garfunkel. Well, we love love doing both repertoires. Um, You know, at this point, having done the Everly set for six years, I feel very close to this music, and this show is completely, you know, inside of me. Um, the Simon and Garfunkel stuff is a little more, a little more pressure for me because I really grew up on that stuff. So the, like, the associations that people who are in their late seventies or early eighties have with the Everly Brothers, and that they danced on prom night to, to uh, "All I Have to Do Is Dream," and things like that. That's the way I feel about Simon and Garfunkel. So I feel extra pressure when I do those songs because those are really define my childhood. Hey, I hate to break in, but it's too late. I already did. Uh, we got about three minutes left. We can do another set if you guys want to, or uh, it's up to you, Steve. What do you think? Uh, uh, let's leave it up to uh, Jack and uh, Sean. You, you got time to stick around for a little bit more? Uh, I think we've got like another uh, 25 minutes. Okay. Well, let's just close this one and start another. All right. Okay. Well, this was uh, uh, the end of this segment. We'll start another uh, one.
Back to the podcast. We're talking to Jack and Sean. Fellas, I, I apologize. I've forgotten your last names. But, uh, Jack, your last name is? Speller. And Sean? Altman. Together, we are the Everly Set. <laughs> and as we learned a moment ago, the uh, Simon and Garfunkel duet. Yes, that. The name of that band is Forever Simon and Garfunkel. You know, when we were trying to um, come up with names for uh, for the Simon and Garfunkel Act, we we focused grouped a bunch of names with our agent uh, because you know we thought marketing was very important, and we can't we had all different uh, configurations. You know, it was Ultimate Simon and Garfunkel, Simon and Garfunkel Supremes. <laughs> yeah, and my favorite. Hello, asshole, my old friend. <laughs> Can I say that on your show? Yes, you just did. It's too late now. You know that's that's be, <laughs> that's because you know one thing or one sort of sad thing that the Everly Brothers and Simon and Garfunkel had in common was that uh, acrimony between the the two guys, Bill and John. And performing with each other their whole lives, there was a lot of tension, and they broke up for ten years and didn't speak. And uh, same with uh, Paul Simon and Art Garfunkel. Started out best of friends in grade school, and it you know ended ended in bitterness. In spite of getting back together a few times, now they're not speaking again. So Jack and I, we approximate, or we we have fun with that with that part on stage. Yeah, I mean, my, my choice name that I liked was a little more tame than that. It was Simon and Garfunkel-ish. <laughs> now, have either of those guys seen your show or heard about it, or have they responded in any way when you do the the uh, Garf- uh, Simon and Garfunkel tribute? Uh, well, besides the cease and desist letter, um, we've heard nothing. <laughs> ah! No, now, is that... Kidding. Is that true or is that? No, that's not true. I would, I would love for them to see our show. Uh, Maybe, maybe I'm just being optimistic, but I actually think that they would really like what we're doing. Um, And uh, my fantasy is that there'll be a reality show where Paul Simon and Art Garfunkel will reunite just for the purpose of critiquing us. Ah, I see. Now, speaking of a, a, a show, a reality show like that, what, if, have either of you or uh, individually or collectively gone on or would attempt to go on one of those singing shows that they seem to have so many of now? Um, not, a, not a singing show, but, we, but we, we've uh, talked for and joked and, well, really half-joked about um, – what, what it would be like to have a sitcom together where we, we come up with various storylines because our, you know, there's, there are a lot of tributes in the world. Um, but we, there's so many times when we look at ourselves and what we're, what we're doing and just laugh that, you know, Sean will be talking about this new molding in his house that he loves, you know, the, and, and I was, I would be talking about my dating life and we, we yeah. just kind of, you know, it's sort of like, the, like the monkeys meets the odd couple. Yeah. Ah, uh, sure. I love it. You know, it, it sounds you know, only but, remiss is that 
you two sound like you get along well enough, uh, as opposed to Simon and Garfunkel, who, like you say, they, they kind of had a falling out there for a while. Oh, yeah. You guys seem to get along better. Yeah, as long as we don't cross onto each other's side of the stage, we're fine. Oh, yeah. <laughs> There's an imaginary line down the middle of the stage. Jack's not allowed to come on my side, and I'm not allowed to come on his side. I see. Otherwise, do a fight breaks out or what? Yeah, well, I've got a whole, you know, I've got a whole, uh, I've got henchmen on my side of the stage who protect me from the young guy. Ah. Uh, so, you know, it, you know it, it's funny you should make, talk about television. Jack, he's a, he's a little modest, but Jack, uh, Jack was signed to Disney Records and uh, did a lot of, he did, made appearances on uh, on the Disney Channel. Did he? Uh, there, there was, uh, yeah, a period, um, I was 16, I sent with, Radio Disney and Disney Records, um, they put out some of my songs and I, I toured all over the country and did some state fairs and I was on Disney Channel a bit and, and Sean has a, his, tele, his biggest television experience, I would say, is on PBS's Where in the World is Carmen Sandiego? Yeah, I was the leader of the vocal group uh, Rockapella, so I was on, I was a mid to low level children's television star a solid five years in the mid-90s. Wow. And now we're mid, mid to low-level TikTok stars yeah. together. So so you both have some TV uh, exposure, right? Just one a little more yeah. than the other, maybe. Yeah. Both mid to low-level. You know, that's, I feel like that's good because there's there's always something about, you know, there's, a, there's more rungs on the ladder to climb. Okay. I think the two of you would be perfect for this. A moment ago, we were talking about uh, the names of your group and and uh, this, that. And it made me think, uh, a comedian I know, and i at a loss to remember his, his name right now, because, you know, every comedy club shut down for, you know, like two years. But he did some song parodies. And it makes sense. You, you, you fellas do a little of that maybe here and there. And, yeah, we do. Check that we had we had a um, we had a viral TikTok moment uh, a couple months ago. Yeah, what's what's the name of our TikTok account? Um, Everly, uh, no, Everly said underscore FSD or something. If you search the Everly set or Forever Simon and Garfunkel, we come up. Yeah. Um, but we but we shared a, a song parody TikTok uh, with Sean's brainchild. Yeah, we did. Um, it was right when the when the Omicron surge started, and I called up Jack and I said, "Hey, Jack, you know what sounds just like Omicron? Kodachrome." So later that day, we did a uh, a parody of the Paul Simon song Kodachrome with the word Omicron, and uh, you know, quarter of a million people watched it. Is there a chance we're going to hear that? Uh on the uh, arrival here in Oskaloosa? <laughs> yeah, probably not. Probably not. I mean, I think that I think people come to hear this kind of music and to see our show to, to get away from from all that stuff. So yeah. we, we figured probably best not to. But yeah, we don't want to remind anybody <laughs> of anything, anything you know, inconvenient or bad. <laughs> okay, I guess I can appreciate that. But it made me think of this. Comedian, I know, uh, well, I can't 
think of his name right now, but his act consisted of a lot of song parodies. And and you're familiar with the uh, Gordon Lightfoot uh, wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald, right? Yeah. This, this buddy of mine did a song parody of that, but his title was The Rectum of Ella Fitzgerald. <laughs> and I thought, you talking to here a little bit ago, it reminded me of that, and I thought you might get a kick out of that. If, uh, I, can I, I need to go hear that right now. You what? I need to go find that parody right now because that's, yeah, that's I, the I, funniest title. I, I work with heard. a guy. I just can't think of his name, but but uh, the <laughs> rectum of Ella Fitzgerald. If you hear it, it'll that's change your life. I'll tell you. That's it's just kind of, uh, that's the, that's the kind of hysterical that I like. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sean, Sean really only enjoys thought-provoking content like that. <laughs> So let's review. Uh, you're going to arrive in Oskaloosa, and you're going to play at the George Daly uh, Auditorium. Give us the date and, and uh, the, the website there where people can get tickets. Okay, it's Wednesday, March 23rd. The Everly Set and our huge band, the George Daly Auditorium, or George Daly Theater. Wait. I'm going to make sure I get this right. George Daly Auditorium. Tickets at georgedaily.org. Or you can Perfect. email or you can email tickets at georgedaily.org. Well, Sean and Jack, uh, I look forward to it. I've, I've got a, an appointment earlier that day, but I'm going to uh, do my best to attend the show and uh, meet you and, and uh, sit down and, and uh, have a visit with you. How's that? Thank you very much, Dion. Thank you. Very nice to well, talk with you. And and uh, don't be shocked if we see you up in uh, Okaboji then later this summer. That'd be great. Yeah. Fellas, thanks so much. Looking forward hey. to seeing you here in Oskaloosa. Thanks a lot, Steve. Thank you. Okay, guys. Bye bye.